Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Armor Report, everyone. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Brett Rosenthal. As always, this is a show about quantum mental investing, the combination of taking quantitative execution using computer algorithms, combining that with a fundamental foundation, and that's the information edge that I share with you when we come on these shows. Today, this is an Armor Education video. So what I'm going to do is discuss the top three ways we hedge our equity portfolio to manage risk, okay? Um, Armour stands for Algorithmic Risk Management Research. So it's really the core of what we do, managing risk. Our philosophy when we manage equity portfolios, whether it be my own, I'm sharing with you information I use every day to run my own capital, or capital I manage for individuals through our interactive brokers affiliation, um, it always begins and ends with managing risk. We want to protect principal first, capture upside second. That's our approach. So I'm going to talk to you about how we do that. I'm going to start by discussing market direction and what we're doing right now in our armor portfolios. So for armor insiders, you already know this. You were in the Slack room today on the armor Slack trading desk. And I was sharing with you information about how we were changing our portfolio structure. I'm going to share that today with uh, our YouTube audience as well, um, because it kind of plays right into managing risk. So don't forget, I'm not telling you guys what to do, right? I don't know you. I couldn't possibly give you information and advice on how to manage your own portfolio. Uh, but what I can do is share with you information I use for my own portfolio and for investors. If you want more information about this, you can subscribe right down here, not just to this channel, this YouTube channel, you can subscribe, but you can subscribe to the website, armorreport.com, A-R-M-R report.com. And we have a free Armor Action Alert newsletter. You can sign up for that, or you can decide to become an Armor Insider, okay? And have access to me one-on-one, -on -one, and of course, be part of our Slack trading desk, among other things. So consider doing that. If you enjoy this conversation, as always, give me a thumbs up. I'd appreciate it. Okay. Also, don't forget any comments you might have or questions that I don't cover at the end of this. Right down here in the comment section, just ask me. And I, I promise I'll get to it. Okay. So let's dive in. First of all, let's talk about um, stock market direction today. Um, all of our risk management decisions begin and end with the seven major indexes we've written algorithms for that tell us from a probability standpoint when the risks are the highest or when the risk reward is perfect for us to put cap capital to work. Okay. So I'm going to discuss them and I'm going to really focus on the big four indexes. We have seven we use the NASDAQ 100, the S and P 500, the Dow, the small cap index, those are the big four. And then we have the momentum index, the value index, and the IBD 50. Those 
seven cover the whole market for us. So when our algorithms are telling us it's risk on across the board and they own all seven indexes, that's when we're putting capital to work. Okay. When we get stopped out of those positions, that's when we take capital off the table. That's the big picture idea. Okay. So first of all, I'm going to share with you a chart of the S&P, just so we're all on the same page here. Okay, there's the S&P. So what you have here is an uptrending channel from the bottom in March. And our trading stance every day during this uptrend is to be long. I call this the mechanical bull market. This is a graphical representation of the mechanical bull market. There's the uptrend. It's not an uptrend because the economy is great. It's not an uptrend because, um, you know, earnings are blowing out. It's an uptrend because the Fed and central banks around the world are throwing money at a situation at a pace never before seen in history. And we follow the basic principle that you don't fight the Fed. We also follow the principle that the trend is your friend. So here's the trend. And until this trend is broken, it's a friend of ours. It doesn't mean it has to go up every day. We can have some really big down days like we had back last couple Thursdays ago. And like we had today, we had a big down day today. Okay. But until this trend is broken, until we close not only below this green line, but below these two lines, the 50 and the 200 day moving average, which means we'll take out the low of June 15th. When that happens, I'll come on this show and I'll tell you we are in a dramatic cash position. We are defending capital. The uptrend is broken. Something else is developing. We don't know what that is. And so for now, we're going to protect capital. Okay. But that's not what this call is about. As you can see, all we've got there is a pullback to a trend line. It means nothing. It's totally normal in an uptrend. Now, you can guess all you want, and you can point to all the reasons why the market should go down. And I submit to you that that was true weeks ago and months ago while we were making an absolute fortune at the Armour Report. All those things are always true. The market climbs a wall to worry. So I don't care about that wall until the trend is broken. Then I'll start to care. But if you try to call the top, you will be calling the top all the way up. And just because people end up being right once doesn't mean they're right if they've been wrong for this entire market rally. So at the Armour Report, we've made a lot of money, right? We have performance so far this year that dramatically outperforms any of the averages, right? So we're going to give back a little bit off the top. It happens. We know what our line is. We know where our stops are, and we execute accordingly. So what do we do today? Do we wait with a, with a portfolio that's 100% invested 
as the market's crashing? Absolutely not. What we employ are the following three approaches to managing risk. The first thing you do, I shouldn't say that. You could do whatever you want. Any of the three work. And honestly, for different portfolios, I use one or all three of these approaches. Okay? For what I would call a beginner, somebody who's new to investing, I would not suggest the second two pieces I'm about to tell you. But I would suggest the first. And that is to raise cash. I know that sounds simple and ridiculous, but it, it's really not. You need a stop loss strategy and system to raise cash. When you start to see um, the market lose momentum. Okay. So how do I execute raising cash? How do you figure out where to go to raise cash? What we tend to do, there's really two choices for me. If you hit a day that makes you uncomfortable, let's be honest, today's a day that's kind of uncomfortable. You could do two things. You could take every position in your portfolio and cut it down by the same percentage. I, I, I completely recommend that if you're building a portfolio for yourself of investments, try this, just try this. Try making every position the same percentage size in your portfolio. Don't cherry pick. Don't fall in love with one name and that's 20% of your account and everything else is smaller. It will skew the data over time. At least this is my experience. Maybe yours is different. But I always overweight the stock that goes down. And I always underweight the huge winner. Okay, so I've learned that lesson over the years. And what I do is have equal weight across the board. And if I have a little bit more in a particular name, I don't do that because it's my favorite and I love it. I do that because maybe it's big cap and I feel there's, um, I don't feel, there's more liquidity in big cap so I can execute quicker. I can get out quicker. The bids and offers are real. And they also move maybe a little bit slower, right? So a small cap name, when it starts to go, explodes. Big cap name goes up a little bit slower. So I might overweight big caps but not dramatically, okay? But I might have big caps at a higher weighting and small caps at a bit lower rating, percentage-wise, I should say. But all the big caps are the same size and all the small caps are the same percentage size. That uniformity is going to help you increase your net worth over time because it will avoid the cherry-picking that inevitably goes wrong, okay? So, the way to execute to manage risk on a day like today is that you start, one thing you can do is just cut everything down by the same percent. I don't care what the percentage, that's totally up to you. It depends on your comfort level, depends on how much money you've already made, what you're willing to give up. Everybody's different in that regard. Okay. If you don't want to trade at all, if you, if you want to be a buy and holder, then you're not doing any of this. Okay. You're not raising cash at all today. Why? Because stops weren't hit. The market didn't close below those key moments, those levels I showed you. So you have to just sit there and grit your teeth and bear it. But this is a conversation about managing risk. So for us, what we do is we raise cash in the portfolio today. Either you go through and cut every position down, 
Or, and here's the other thing we can do. You cut the laggards out of the portfolio. So we were putting money to work last Monday and Tuesday, the 15th and 16th. Okay. We had a big run for like six or seven days. The stocks we bought Monday skyrocketed. We were buying Netflix and Microsoft and Illumina and, and Spotify and Splunk. These stocks went through the roof. Okay. Then on Tuesday, we added things like Lavongo and Chegg, and these things were going through the roof, right? But when you look at the portfolio, you realize there's some names that haven't gone up at all. Maybe they're down a little bit. Maybe they're up a small fraction. So you had this six, seven-day run in the NASDAQ and in the market. Not the whole market didn't run, but the right stocks took off for like six, seven days. And if there's names in the portfolio that did not respond to that run, that's the first thing you cut. Stay with your leaders. Cut your laggards. And I guess the third thing you can do when the market turns ugly like this in a hurry, is you cut, was it LIFO, last in, first out. You cut the last positions you just added. So if you added something yesterday or the day before, so Monday and Tuesday last week you added and you made a lot of money on that. Then you increased your exposure this week, the last couple of trading days, and then we have a day like today. The first thing you do is cut out those positions. Some of them are up. You're taking small profits. Some are down. You're taking small losses. You're not waiting for the stock losses to get tripped. You're looking at today's action and saying, wait a minute, that doesn't feel right. I need to raise cash. And so that was the choice in our portfolio today. We didn't cut every position down the same amount. We got rid of laggards and the most recent additions. Not because I don't love those names. I love them. Some of those most recent positions were up. I didn't want to sell them. I sold them to raise cash and manage risk. So that's one way to do it. There's three ways we use to manage risk on the Armour portfolio uh, um, approach, the Armour investing way, if you will. The first is to raise cash. The second is to literally short the indexes. So what I try to do is find the index. What's my portfolio look like? Right now, the armor portfolio is full of disruptive growth, established growth, and precious metals. So forget precious metals for a second. You got to manage that in a whole different way. Let's just focus on disruptive growth and established growth. These are all NASDAQ 100 type names. That's the leadership in the market. So what I want to do is short the weakness, the laggards in the market. That means I'm a short seller of the small cap index and the Dow. And I use the ETFs to do it, IWM or DIA. And I borrow and short. Now, what you can do if you're not able to borrow and short, if it's an IRA account or something, and you want to protect, this is about managing risk, guys. This is not about taking on more risk. We're putting these short positions on to manage risk. And you can use the inverse ETFs. DOG is a short, DOG is a short of the Dow, and RWM is a short of the small cap index. So you can look into that, do your own homework. I'm not telling you what to do or how to use it. 
I'm just sharing you with you what we do on our trading desk. Okay. So in an IRA account, I might buy RWM because it goes up as the small small caps go down. I'm not doing that right now. I'm just sharing with you one thing we can do to manage risk. The reason I'm not shorting overnight right now from my own account or anybody else's is because we're in a mechanical bull market. And I generally don't carry shorts overnight when the Fed's adding liquidity. It doesn't mean I won't, but I generally don't do that. Instead, I use the the hedging techniques for intraday trades. So as an example, the market was down significantly today. Let's say it gaps up tomorrow morning. Okay. If it breaks below the opening range low, and I'll be sharing this with Armor Insiders in the room tomorrow. All of you who are on the Slack desk, you know I do this. If we see the right setup using our algorithms for intraday shorting, we'll be out there shorting the small cap index as an example. If we're to gap up in the morning and then set up correctly, we'll put a short out intraday to hedge the long part of our portfolio. We'll look to book that profit before the day's over. Do the same thing with the Dow if we want. Okay? This is a sophisticated way to run money. I don't suggest that you run out there and start doing it. It's not easy. It's very hard to split your mind and be long on the one hand and then go short on the other. So the number one way to manage risk is to just raise cash in your portfolio. Recognize what's lagging. You know, we were out there yesterday, yesterday, selling a couple names in the portfolio. And when asked, why am I doing that? I explained because they're not moving. And in a market like this, if you're not getting paid, the volatility is so fierce, you're right around the corner from a sell-off. And so I'll buy something with a stop. But then I also have in my mind almost a, a time stop. If I've been in a trade for X amount of days and I'm getting nowhere while other trades are skyrocketing, it tells me there's something wrong with that entry point. And I raise cash. Okay. And then the third thing you can do, and this is what I did yesterday. The third thing you can do, this is a very sophisticated approach and I am not recommending it for anybody. You have to make your own decision on this, but I've been asked this question, so I'm going to share the answer. Okay? But I like to use puts. So I buy options, put options, which make money if the underlying asset goes down. Okay? I buy puts on my favorite indexes, the small caps and the Dow. Now, what I like to do is use the leveraged ETFs, UWM and DDM. UWM is a leverage. It's two times IWM, small caps. And DDM is two times the Dow, DIA. It's leveraged to the upside. I like to buy puts on that. So when we have a down day like today, those puts jumped about 60% for me, protecting some of it doesn't mean that I was up today. I lost money today. The market's down across the board. 
but those puts make some money for me, right? And depending on how heavy I am in those puts, it could be a pretty nice day on the put side. Now, you see, with options, if you're not familiar with options, you should not do this. If you're completely new to this, you need to do research. You have to read about options. You have to learn about them. I can't spend, I mean, I can't spend the next hour explaining it to you, okay? I mean, I could, <laughs> but I, that, might, that might be um, a long slog for both of us. But at the end of the day, let me say this. Options lose value every day you hold them. There's a lot of risk in options. I use options to hedge other risk. Okay? And I don't hold them more than a day or two. So I put those options on yesterday. And when the market cratered today, I booked my profit. Now, today I am not short in my account overnight, nor do I own puts. I don't like to own these things right at the trend line and bet that the market's going to crater. I don't like that trade. So I try to put options on as, as the market runs. I'll put puts on. If we get close to the top of the channel, here, take a look again. Okay. If we get close to the top of the channel, I'm going to want to buy puts, which I did up here. Okay. All right. Now, this time around, I actually did it up here which is interesting. It really hadn't gone that high. I can't explain to you why I did it. So, you know, normally I try to put on puts when we're up here, but I added puts yesterday, I guess because I have a huge long position and I just wanted to hedge some of that risk. See, hedging is a very personal thing. I would never tell you how to do it. I'm sharing with you how I do it and giving you some thoughts on the top three ways to do it. But it's very personal. It depends on how much exposure you have in your portfolio, how much risk you're willing to take. Are you the kind of person that doesn't mind giving some off the top or can you not stand when you give up some off the top? Okay. So everybody's different. When I'm buying those puts, I want you to understand I am completely comfortable with losing money on that position. Quite frankly, I hope I lose money on the position because it means my entire net worth is going up. Okay? So it was fun to make money today on the puts, but it wasn't fun to look at the net worth of my portfolio at the end of the day. I lost money. Right? I'm not buying enough puts to cover my entire portfolio. Right? So we all have to make our own decisions there. So those are the three ways um, – that I go about hedging a portfolio, hedging my own portfolio. So to wrap up, I guess my thoughts are, if you're new to this and, and really, even if you're an intermediate, even if you've been doing this for a, a while, you know, the best thing to do to manage your risk is just raise cash, use targeted exits. I'll give you an example. Take a look at this. This is interesting. This stock is actually up today. Go figure. But, you know, we own shares of Spotify. First of all, we bought Spotify right here. That's on the 15th of May. Okay. And then we added to it right here. No, no, no. Actually right here on the 15th of June. 
We added it to it right there. Skyrocketed. Now look at this. See this blue line right here? That's four standard deviations above the 200-day moving average. Wait, it might be five. No, it's four. Yeah. In fact, let's put the fifth one on just to take a peek. Look at that. Five standard deviations. That's what the stock hit yesterday. Okay? So when a stock goes four or five standard deviations above the 200-day moving average, we book some profit. Okay, it's a target. It's just a, a logical target. Sometimes a stock can keep walking up that line and just levitate. But statistically speaking, that's rare. So when we hit the four to five standard deviation line, we usually book some profits. That's a way to manage risk using targeted exits. The key with targeted exits is not to sell your winners too soon. You need to stay with your successes as long as possible. Okay? But um, raise cash first, guys. Just get used to doing that. Do it by eliminating the same percentage across the board so you don't play favorites. Or cut your laggards and your most recent entries first and stay with your winners. Those are the two ways to do it. Then we can short the indexes. I only do that overnight when we're in a bear market and the Fed's not adding liquidity. Otherwise, I do that intraday, and I share that information in the Slack trading desk room all day long if I see an opportunity. And then the third thing to do is to use the options market and buy puts. That's a very sophisticated strategy. I don't recommend it for most people. Okay. If you're an Armor Insider and you're watching this and you want to ask me a question, well, you have the right to do that. So just call me up and we can walk through how to set up a put option if that's something you really want to do. Okay. Um, I just wanted to give you some perspective on what I do and don't like about the market before we move on. Let me share with you a chart of the S&P. Okay. There's the S&P on an O'Neill chart. You know, what we don't like is this island reversal up here. So the market gapped up and then gapped down. That's usually a negative sign, okay? But we are above the moving averages, so that's positive. This is just normal volatility. Now, what we don't like are these red lines down here. You can see this. This is volume. We've had one and two. We've had two distribution days. Those are called distribution days in the last four trading sessions. That means big institutions are dumping stock, and we don't like that. So if we take out the low, and I'm going to change the chart again for you just to reiterate. If we take out the low of June 15th, that's when we're going to get uh, much more defensive. Now let's rip through the top indexes. This is the Dow. Same date. You see the 15th is key. Right now, so far, the Dow is holding the 50-day moving average. Here's the small cap index. Same thing. Holding the 50-day moving average. Still above that low. Here's the NASDAQ 100. Obviously performing the best. This is clearly the leadership. And this is why those are the stocks that we're still holding on to. 
Okay. And I'm just going to wrap up with this picture right here. This is the IBD 50 and it's another view. Let's see if this will work for me. All right. Maybe not. Take, take a look at that chart. Okay, IBD 50 is in a straight shot to the moon. These are names like Chegg and Lavongo and Fastly. And here we are on this chart. See, so that's your leadership. So we're long those names and we're short the lagging indexes. But we, we, we short them intraday or we own puts. Right now, I'm flat at the end of the day. I have no hedges on, but I do carry cash in the portfolio now. All right, let's move on real quick to, um, before I wrap up here. You know, I want to share one more thought with you. Do we have the time? Ah, we're running late. Well, let me just share this thought with you. Um, the best time to put money to work is at the beginning of a move. That was June 15th and 16th. That was the day to put capital to work. I try to put the most amount of my capital to work, the closest to the stop, when we get the signal. And try not to add too much later in the week. Because what happened is, as we added later in the week, those are the stocks we have to take out immediately today as the market reverses. The stocks we added on the 15th, huge winners. Haven't taken them out yet book some profit on Spotify. So if we were in an ideal world, even for me, this is hard to do. I would execute everything on the 15th and 16th, and I would stop buying after those two days. It's hard to do that. But it should be done. Okay. I'm going to wrap up with a discussion real quick about um, a question that was asked by an Armour Insider. I'm going to discuss it now. It's called Dark pools. I know I'm running late here, but it's a lot to get through. So I'm going to share with you dark pools, okay? What is a dark pool? It's a place for big institutions to trade big blocks of stock. Before dark pools were created, an institution having to buy or sell a half a million or a million shares of a stock would have to work with a floor broker find buyers, let's say he was selling, to find buyers for his stock and hope to get a good average, you know, volume-weighted average price. Or he'd go out there and sell little bits at a time over a series of days, right? Or he'd, or he'd or, you know, break it down into maybe sell a couple hundred thousand shares a day, right? Or he'd try to find where a big buyer was. He'd hit it, hit it, hit it, drive down the bid until he found the big buyer and then he'd dump it all, Right? That was the old school way to do it. So what they do now is they have dark pools where they don't show anybody on, uh, through any of the services that you use or I use um, how much they have to buy or sell a particular stock. And they find each other in the dark pool, institution to institution, to swap these shares. This explains why you see huge volume printing at the end of every day because it's added to the consolidated tape at the close. Okay, at the close. That's why you see huge volume in the last 15 minutes. That volume has been trading all day, but it's been trading in a dark pool and you don't see it 
They do this so people can't front run what they're doing. Anybody on the internet that is telling you they have secret information because they found it in the dark pool is lying. Okay? Baloney. It's total baloney. I mean, it sounds good. It sounds like it's a cool, fun thing to do. But it's ridiculous. Okay? Um, I've traded in the dark pools. I've used it. I've executed in there. I'm not, you know, it's not my favorite way to execute. I know that there are high-frequency trading algos that work in the dark pools to sniff out volume, and they try to get in front of it. This is a problem for the institutions in the dark pools. If somebody actually had information that they could figure out what was going on in the dark pool, there's no way they'd be running a website and sharing that information with you. They would just be making a fortune on a high-frequency trading algo and running it. And that's what some people do. Okay? Um, There's nothing nefarious about it. It's just the new electronic way of trading where institutions find each other and, 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 and trade lots of stock. So, anyway, those are my thoughts on... On, uh, on dark pools. And it does explain why you see huge volume hit at the end of a day. Okay. So I guess that's it for tonight. I mean, let's see if I got a couple questions I'll try to get to. Um, how many stocks do you suggest I own? Well, I don't know you, my friend. I don't know you. So I couldn't suggest how many stocks you own. But I can tell you in my portfolios that I manage, I, I own anywhere between 10 and 20 stocks. And I really try to keep it there. I mean, sometimes it boils over and I might own 25, but usually that's for short periods of time. I try to keep it to 10 or 20. Um, Butch, uh, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, Let's see. um, um, Kevin, hey, how are you? Oh, good. I'm glad that helped, Kevin. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, Okay. Oh, uh, Thai Tech, would I short Spotify? No way. No way. There's no way I have any interest in shorting the leadership of the market right now that's skyrocketing. Um, that's a recipe for disaster. In my opinion, you can go do whatever you want, my friend. But I never short strength. I short weakness. You know? So... Um, if I was going to short, I'm not doing it right now, but, you know, when the market ripped higher and all the airlines were up and Disney was up and all of these type of names that I really have no interest in owning, the energy stocks took off for a while. Those are the stocks I would short, and now they're in there cratering. I mean, I didn't do it, but I'm just saying that's what I would be doing. I wouldn't be out there shorting stocks that are skyrocketing. That could be dangerous. Um All right, guys, thanks for your time tonight. I appreciate uh, you being here and and sharing some time with me as always. I look forward to seeing you guys again on Saturday at 1130 for the Week in Review. All you you Armor Insiders, I'll see you in the Slack room tomorrow morning for the morning meeting. Take care, guys.